Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Welcome everybody to Paradox. I'm Jimmy Myers. And I'm Josh. And we are very pumped today to have with us Jeffrey Reed. He's been a pastor for 30 years, half of those working with kids. He is a Lifeway Kids ministry partner, and he's also the family pastor at the church at Spring Hill. He travels year-round meeting with children's workers. He's married with four kids, lives in Nashville. He's a speaker. He's a blogger. Jeffrey, thank you for being with us. Thank you guys for having me. It's a privilege to be here. Okay. Explain what a Lifeway Kids Ministry Partner is and does. Well, a Lifeway serves you know tens of thousands of churches. The kids team serves about uh, 30, 35,000 churches with our curriculum and DBS and things like that. And so we we obviously get your normal calls that you get the customer service, but we also know there's a need to go out and meet with leaders. Um, a lot of churches need uh, consultation. Sometimes they just need advice. Sometimes they need it to help us uh, help them walk through their process from discipleship of kids to events. There's a plethora of things in kids ministry, and so I'm I'm more or less a, a consultant to churches, and uh, it includes small churches, medium churches, large churches, but uh, LifeWay's footprint resembles the Bible Belt, and so we're pretty well known. Like, there's a LifeWay store in, in a lot of states, and it, and it kind of, you can look at the Bible Belt and look at LifeWay's footprint, and we kind of match. One of my roles is to go out beyond that, so I'm, I'm going out west a good bit. I'm going up north, and it's amazing to walk into a church, knowing how big LifeWay is and how long they've been around. To, to introduce LifeWay to somebody that's never heard of us. And so that's one of the one of the cool things I get to do. But I partner with churches in various capacities, in particular kids ministry and family ministry pastors and leaders. Very nice. So other than the Bible Belt, like the the Koran Garter, things of that nature. <laughs> yes. I go to the borders, uh, of the, <laughs> the northern borders of the country. Well, then you would know this, you know, because we got to, you are, you know, you do have a young family and, and, most of the folks who listen to us, you know, are, you know, young families. If you were a, a young mom or dad and said, I just want my kids to love Jesus and love church, how best do I do that? So many, you know, they see other kids and they grow up, they resent church. Uh, how is it that I can get my kids just to love Jesus and love church? Well, I can tell you the simple answer that is really, really hard to do because it has more to do with our own faith. But the the greatest thing, the greatest catalyst in a child's life is the authenticity and the walk of their parents. So most kids that it seems like, and and again, this is from my experience as a dad, my own families, uh, my wife's family, uh, people that we know, and of course, as a pastor of the thousands of families I've interacted with over the years, Kids that tend to quit going, you can kind of look at their parents and see their parents were just bringing them to church, even very consistently in some cases, but they weren't walking with the Lord themselves, or at least doing it in front of their kids. Because you, you can talk to these parents and say, oh, I love the Lord, I pray all the time, and then you get into it and you find, how, how often did you talk with your kids about the Lord? 
Um, how involved were you in their own discipleship? Did you read the Bible with them on a regular basis? Mm-hmm. Um, we ask this question a lot. Do you pray with your kids regularly? The answer is almost always yes. But then when you peel off a layer, you say, okay, take out God is great, God is good before mealtimes, and it goes down to almost nothing. And so so if I were telling any parent, if you want a, your child to, to fall in love with Jesus, they need to see you in love with Jesus. That'll be the biggest catalyst in their life. And so we want to tell churches, like, you can do a great job in kids' ministry, but you've also got to be leading your parents in their walk and giving families tools to walk together. So this is an isolated journey for each member of the family. I love that because, you know, I think we've really gotten away from that Ephesians model of equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. Uh, equipping those parents are with them 24 uh, seven. And we spend so much time, you know, with the kids running and sitting on balloons. We're not taking the time to, to equip those parents. Very nice. You know, you mentioned uh, parental authenticity. Can you define that a, a little bit for us? Yes. And I, that, some may think, Oh, they need to see how good I am and how much I love the Lord. It's actually, they need to see you stumble with the Lord. And that's, as we know, if, if a mature believer knows that the majority of your walk is spent getting up and, and stumbling, and there's nothing more valuable to our kids to see us get up and stumble, because then they're not going to struggle with what many, many in the generation before us struggled with was their parents, the perception that their parents had it all together, because they had these private struggles and they didn't carry out conflict in front of them. One of the best things our kids can see is for us to resolve the conflicts in our own lives and hearts and to see us kind of bump through life a little bit, because when it happens and it will happen to them, they're going to go, say, I saw dad get through this or mom get through this, or I saw mom and dad get through this thing they were going through. And uh, that's probably the best thing, because that really is what walking with the Lord is. It's not, you're better now and you're perfect. It's just you, the Lord is there with you the whole time. And, and our kids knowing that, seeing it day to day, not just on Sunday morning, the conversation's got to extend beyond the, the car on the way home from church. And um, it's got to go on. Uh, honestly, Deuteronomy 6, it's got to go on every day when you when you rise up, when you walk along the road, when you lie down at night. I mean, when you share your meals, turn off talk radio in the car when you're taking them to school, every opportunity we get, not just to connect, which is important, and not just to have conversations, was important, but to have real conversations about the Lord and about what He's doing in our life. Yeah, so you wrote an article modeling a healthy marriage. Um, I'd love for you to speak to just for a few seconds regarding modeling healthy conflict, marital conflict, really in front of the kids. Yes, this um, this is something. So I never saw conflict at all because I didn't really see my parents interact. They were divorced when I was young, and uh, my wife, on the flip side, her parents are still married. They're great, uh, but they never had conflict in front of the kids. So neither one of us knew how to. Uh, have conflict health in a healthy way. Um, the key to it is sort of shalom, which which means peace, but it also implies peace in the midst of conflict, and that we're on a constant state of resolving conflict. And so our kids actually see us argue. They don't argue that much, and hopefully we don't say hateful things, but they do see us resolve it, and it usually ends with an apology from one of us, <laughs> usually me, and, um, and will you please forgive me statement, and I'm sorry. Uh, and then I love you, and then we eat pie. Perfect. Don't leave that pie piece out. Because <laughs> they're going to they're gonna have conflict. And you see this all the time. There's this passivity in our culture that implies, man, if I'm, if I'm just not arguing with this person, then we're going to get through this. And it's like, no, you've got to work things out, and there's a way to argue in a loving way. There's a way to have conflict in a loving way in your family, and it should lead to shalom. It should lead to resolution and peace. 
And so that's been important for us. We, you know, we don't argue that much when we do. It's usually about money. Sometimes it's about ancillary things, but we don't go to the bedroom because that's not really fooling the kids anyway. We, we do it in, the, in front of them. And my wife will even look at me like, do we want to have this conversation here? And I'm like, yeah, because they need to see how messy life is, but then how much Jesus is there to restore not just the world, but everything, including us. And he's going to bring this to a, to a close in a little bit. So we let them see the messiness. So what's your biggest concern looking into the future for young families? Uh, man, there's one that's kind of out there that uh, it's just uh, distraction uh, from each other. Uh, so the, even some things that don't seem overtly harmful, like <laughs> I love all my kids are playing Pokemon Go. It's just one more thing that takes my eyes off of my kids. Well, actually, I haven't played it, but it takes their eyes off me. Uh, it's just it's the distraction. So it's in our culture. We're striving for all this stuff that gives us pleasure and it's and it's fun and it's good and seemingly harmless. And individually, those things are harmless. But in the long run, the enemy, all he has to do, he doesn't have to take us down with overt, you know, sexual sins or deviant behaviors or 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 a horrible decision. He can bring us down by distracting us from each other and then ultimately from the Lord. He just puts our eyes on something else that might actually be good, but is not the, the best thing we can be doing. And so I, I see that our, our, our culture is just going to be entertained to death if we're not careful and uh, we don't make it about relationships with each other. And I'm not talking about online relationships, like actually sitting down with a person and, sure, yeah. and looking them in the eye. I'm a social media guy, but, but I, um, and my kids are, one of them is hugely into it. Uh, but we have to, at some point, be able to sit down and pray with someone with their hand on their shoulder and yeah. and go to lunch with them and go football with them. So how do you balance, if we're just kind of for a second about social media, how do you balance kind of uh, technology with with family time? Well, we, we don't have screens. Uh, my wife and I had lunch today, and we discussed uh, something we've been talking about for a while. We've had parameters in the past, like... You get a limited amount of screen time, and a screen is a screen. So it's a, a TV or a computer or a phone, and every family has to decide what's acceptable to them. Uh, if I had, if I was homeschooling my kids like we used to, I might give them a little more time because they're at home more, and honestly, they can get done with school work a lot more than at school. On school days, I think we're going for um, for an hour a day, a limit on screen time, which is way, way, way below what a current, what apparently the average is. Average kid oh, yeah. spends four hours a day. And then we have no screens at dinner tables, no phones, nothing. Um, and we, we commit to eating uh, most of our meals together. I think we have five or six meals a week together as a family. Even the, even though I'm going out of town a few days a week, we do that. So those things have helped a lot. We do want to let the kids engage with the uh, with the other people. I mean, they have more friends than they ever had because, you know, you can have hundreds of friends on Facebook uh, and Instagram and, uh, and Snapchat. So there's a limit, and we, have, we just have parameters we set in place. They can't take their screens upstairs. They have to leave them downstairs. Um, they can't ever do, be on a screen when, nobody, when there's nobody else in the room with them. Uh, I, I, I do that as well. Like I won't be on my computer unless uh, somebody's awake with me and up in the room or, uh, you know, I'm sitting on the bed next to my wife uh, answering email. So um, we we just had to set these parameters in place and they all know just because we love them and just want to, it reminds me of the, of the Finding Nemo, you know, they live right on the edge of the deep and, and he wants to let his little boy out there, but he knows what's out there and the son just has to trust him at some point and just stay right there. Just we, we love you. Please just trust us on this. When you get older, you're already going to be disciplined to do this, but this is what we have to 
lay down for now. And one of my kids fights me on it. Like he would be on his screen from the moment he wakes up to the moment he lays down. He's going to swim. He's going to swim straight out and touch the anchor line. Touch the butt. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so it's, it's, I think you're hitting right on it. It's been said that if God doesn't, I think, make you bad, it'll make you busy. Um, so how do you, not just social media time, but how do you prioritize ministry together, service together, uh, evangelism together? How do you make that a priority within your family? Well, um, you know, we, we had changed churches this year. We were at a great mega church in Franklin, Tennessee, and, uh, God called us to, uh, serve with uh, Jess Rayner, pastor here in planting, uh, planting a church. We've done we've done planting in the past, although it wasn't a, a normal scenario. We planted in a church with 500 people day one, and they were a mega church within a month. But this is a this is a, a more realistic church plant where we're running about 100 people, and so I'm just incredibly grateful that all of my kids are uh, are serving. So my elementary school child, she's in the ministry, in the kids' ministry with me. My oldest is one of our hosts, and he's been he started leading worship. Didn't even know he played. Apparently, he's been practicing somewhere, but he plays piano, so he's been leading <laughs> us in worship. My middle schooler uh, runs tech for the middle school. Um, one of my other sons, we still allow him to go to the other church student ministry because friends in our neighborhood he's still friends with. He's involved there. Um, so we, that's a, kind of a nightmare going back and forth. But we're all serving together in ministry. And so we're, we spend almost all day together on Sunday. Uh, and so that's, I just, I don't even know if that's a, there's a strategy there. I'm just, uh, it's, it's, it's just happened that the kids sure. like to serve. So uh, that's, we spend a lot of time together doing that. Sure. And I mean, the local church being God's hands and feet, um, and, and it, I bet you that's a huge gift for you and your family to be able to do that together. Lastly, what do you think that for pastors out there and or other ministers, what do you think the biggest mistake churches make within children's ministry is? I think that we don't uh, give the kids credit for what they can uh, comprehend and uh, what they can take in. We stay really, uh, we stay safe and shallow I think in a lot of what we teach kids, um, we want to. I know it's a fear too. We want to make sure they're they're going to behave the right way. We want to make sure they're they represent Christ. But um, I think we sometimes neglect the fact that our our deepest drive should be that they know Christ, um, because they can uh, grow up and become adults that are behaving exactly like we want them to and look like Christians, but don't know Jesus, don't know the heart of the gospel, have never been transformed by his work on the cross and the message of salvation. And so we, we play it safe with kids and we sometimes, and I, I see this in church, I see leaders struggle with it. They want to, you know, they want to, they want to make sure kids understand the Ten Commandments, that they understand yep. a lot of the stories in Scripture, but then they miss the story of Scripture, which is God's yep. redemption. And so kids can understand that. We may not say words like propitiation and, and uh, <laughs> emancipation. And, uh, you know, we just don't use a lot of those words, but we can teach them those concepts that yeah. that God paid the price for our sins and that he has called them to be now living missionally. Not yeah. They're not in holding pen until they become students. They're passionate now. Let's, let's challenge them now. Otherwise, we're going to really struggle in 10 years with the kids that really love church but don't know how to tell others about him because we've never challenged up to that. I think we make the mistake of staying too shallow with That's kids huge. that they comprehend so much more. If we'll, just, I'd, I'd rather be, I'd rather err on the side of them being a little too deep 
than than staying shallow because the Holy Spirit is always going to be able to make up the gap and maybe even bring things to light in their minds that I couldn't do anyway. But if I only stay on the surface of our faith, then that's as deep as they'll go. So uh, I just think that's—I see that a lot, and I see a lot of kids' ministry leaders. We, we created a curriculum called the Gospel Project that it has exploded because it, it really goes deeper the, theologically with kids, and leaders are starting to see that they really can take it all in. Yeah, a few weeks ago, we had a, a, one of our podcasts with Andy Bannister. He is a director in Canada for Ravi Zacharias Ministry, and he called moralism, right? So teaching kids, or really anybody within the church, that Christianity is not just a list of do's and don'ts, um, but it's it's not something you do, it's something you accept, uh, Christianity, uh, and that moralism is a cancer within the church, and that's the powerful words not only for, for ministers, but also parents dealing with young kids. Yes, it's it's moralistic deism because it it actually you can somebody may actually love God and and love Jesus and understand the tenets of the faith, but week after week we're teaching kids uh, to behave or to yep. you know and yep. he, this is even in the traditional church setting. I remember I didn't go to church when I was young. I came to Christ later, but I do remember going and having a teacher. It was the day one of the days, few days of the year my family would visit, and they were talking about the Ten Commandments, and I've very clearly remember hearing that if I, I stole, I could go to hell. Now, I know there's doctrinal issues there, denominational issues, that, but the, the fact is that's even, even understanding that we're saved by grace, just staying on ideas like that, like don't steal, uh, be kind, uh, you know, be, be courageous. We, we've turned Bible stories into moral stories, yep. and we already have plenty of moral stories. The public school system takes care of a lot of that on, <laughs> on you know, the—, the Character building programs they have. That's let the, let that happen there. We need to teach kids about Jesus and about the Lord. Guys, good stuff from Jeffrey. If you want more information about Jeffrey Reed, you can find him at lifeway.com backslash kids. You can also find him on Twitter, Facebook, as well as Instagram. It is at Jeffrey M. Reed. And Jeffrey is J E F F R E Y. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, thank you so much. That was an incredible interview. Very, very Um, nice. Jeffrey was fantastic. I loved his piece about the parental authenticity. Yeah. Uh, A lot of kids I see don't use that terminology. I would um, hope not. <laughs> but they, you know, they really do speak to it, at least. You oh, know, they yes. they get really frustrated. Um, either they, they feel like their parents are hypocritical uh, because they don't admit fault, um, or they're filled, as the kid, they're filled with anxiety because they look at this f- perfect figure and they know they don't live up to that. Yep. And so it, it fills them with a lot of anxiety and depression and they feel like their parents are disappointed in them. So mm-hmm. the ability to be authentic and admit fault, apologize, share, age appropriately, obviously, but share our struggles, our faults is really, really powerful. Yeah. And the same thing about not uh, avoiding conflict or even hiding conflict, but to model healthy conflict. Uh, I, th- I thought that was wonderful. Our kids need to see us fall down. And they need to see how a believer falls down and gets back up and how a marriage does that. You know, when people come in here because their kid is a screamer, it's normally because their parent is a screamer. One of them's a screamer. You know, that type of thing is a learned behavior. Our uh, anger management is learned behavior. Our coping skills, communication skills, all those things are learned behaviors. So instead of hiding what could be an invaluable lesson, 
for these kids, model it before them so they see us doing it in a healthy way. And we've spoken about it before several episodes now, but he spoke to that moral deism, just deifying moralism, uh, teaching that Christianity is about doing something and not accepting and something mm-hmm. um, is, is huge. And so we also appreciated him mentioning that. Guys, we appreciate you listening to, uh, we thank you for listening to this episode with Jeffrey. Uh, If you want more information about the show, um, as well as show notes for this particular interview, then go to paradoxpodcast.com. You know how long it takes me to put those show notes together? Looking up everything. Guys, Jimbo just shows up and talks. He literally does nothing for this show. Uh, ParadoxPodcast.com. You can also find the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It's Docs Podcast. You can find me at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It's Docs Josh Myers. And my Instagram is really personal photos. Twitter and Facebook are more professional articles I'm reading. I am on Facebook at Dr. Jimmy Myers and on Twitter and Instagram at Jane Myers Fam. It was fun. Guys, take care. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. and researched by Dr. Jimmy and Dr. Josh Myers. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescarr.com. If you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. Yeah, I don't know all the pulse of what's going on in the younger moms, but I, I will, and this might get me in trouble with the women, but I would say men do more in their families than any generation before for sure. And we, as women, sometimes can take that for granted.